Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Some of the best partners I've ever worked with have all spent every quarter on our earnings call, understand everything our senior leadership is talking about and what's working in the business and what potentially is not, and then leveraging that to say, here are some of the things I heard, here are some of the products I think we can use to help you solve those challenges. And that just makes partnership so much better, in my opinion. And when you understand both sides of it and understand the position that brands have to be in, not all decisions are, are as equal as I think the media world thinks on a day-to-day basis. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, you've had so many successes at all the different companies that you've had leadership roles in. And I imagine you feel a similar way to me, which is that your early customers, the ones that stick with you throughout the journey of building your company, really set your your company up for success, these long-term customer relationships. You know, when you get to the point past the three-peat, where we find like we've had three-peat customers and then we're like, oh, wait, no, we've had four-peat or five-peat, like people come and go there's the repeat clients, like company names, and then there's the repeat people. People that come with you no matter where they go to their next job because there's a trust and there's a willingness to learn. And in both instances, there's something really special. When it's the same brand that has stuck with you for so long, they're willing to take flyers with you. They They wanna try and fail with you. They know that the successes are more likely than the failures. And when it's people, there's no substitute. There's just no substitute for the kind of trust that you can build with somebody and how that withstands the test of time. It's just when you know that they've got your back and vice versa, there's just something incredibly special. Absolutely. And, you know, on that note, Micmac just had this incredible company milestone. 
we acquired Channel Advisors, Shopple Media and Brand Analytics businesses. And I just have a lot of heart for my customers over the last nine years of building this company because they took a shot on us when we had nothing. And they were our eyes and ears to everything that was happening in the ecosystem, helped us understand that there was an opportunity to really create consolidation in this space. And that really led us to this incredible moment. And we're about to bring someone onto the show, Vinny Rinaldi, Hershey's. And Hershey's been a longtime customer of Micmac and a thought partner and definitely a critical player to encourage us to consolidate the space. So the timing is so wonderful. Well, congratulations to you, Rachel. What you have done with Micmac is nothing short of extraordinary. This latest acquisition is pivotal and yet so you. And, <laughs> and super happy. And yes, Vinny is one of those phenomenal people that is always up for a test and learn, is always up for something new and exciting. And the partnership that you guys have developed between Hershey and Micmac and you know, the strong relationship between Hershey and Profitero as well, but specifically with you guys, because it's been for so long, is just really a remarkable, not just feat, but a reflection of who you are and who your company is. Well, enough about us, because you're really going to hear from someone incredible who has deep expertise sitting on all sides of this space. Vinny Rinaldi, he's worked brand side at Hershey's. He's worked agency side. He's worked publisher side. He's worked tech platform side. He's worked retailer side. There's no better person to hear from how to navigate today's ecosystem than Vinny Rinaldi at Hershey's. Let's bring him onto the show. Today, we are very excited to get a mutual friend onto the show, Vinny Rinaldi, who is the Senior Director of Media for the Hershey Company in the U.S. Hey, Vinny. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Sarah and I have had the pleasure of working with you over the years because you've done a few boomerangs. And I think that's a great place to start because there's a lot of people who probably consider making moves like you did and, and can learn from you. We've watched you fluidly move between being on the publisher side, to the agency side, to the brand side, to the platform side, to the brand side, to the retailer side, you know, back to brand. You clearly have a deep understanding of the holistic ecosystem. How do you think about boomerangs as a career strategy? Well, I think it's a a fascinating strategy that I, I probably didn't exactly sign up for myself or think I was going to go down this path, but I was sitting down thinking about the opportunity to speak to you guys. I thought about my early path in eighth grade. One of my favorite teachers of all time actually gave me a Curious George book. You say you're the most inquisitive person in our entire class. And, and I thought this book would resonate with you forever. And I sort of like thought about that. And I was like, you know, it's sort of relevant to where I've moved a lot. It's not because I ever was unhappy or not you know, in a good place with companies. I just kept seeing opportunities to learn more and look at fixing a different problem that I saw in our industry that kept coming up. So as I look at my career, I've been able to touch quite a few different areas. And, and as exciting as it is, this was probably the biggest boomerang of all and just settling in for the long haul to use that experience and work for an iconic brand like Hershey's and spend what I foresee as the the foreseeable future on my career and and where we're headed. And I and I really value all of the learnings that have come along the way. I've looked at brands most do this, but especially ours, you kind of have this when you come out of B school, you typically go into a marketer's journey and you get to go down this path of touching multiple different things. 
and you go into innovation, you work on the brand, you work on creative, you go into pack types. And I always look at my career as like I saw opportunities and I created my own path of journey and, and said, you know, I want to touch different things to learn how each side ticks and how I can use that to better both where I'm working from an industry perspective on Hershey's, but also be a part of the industry that's trying to make things better for the future state of where we're headed. Culturally at Hershey's, is boomerang a common thing? Like people leave Hershey's and come back years later? I'm starting to create it. <laughs> <laughs> both myself, as well as, you know, my recent hire of Kyle Shank, who was here with me previously, went spent, you know, I think about four years at Facebook Meta, and he is an incredible human being. And and one of the, the reasons I went after him and thought after him when I came back and, and looked at the role and thought he was the perfect fit. And, you know, a lot of people that have left here have come back. It, it is an incredible culture. Um, we call it our little chocolate bubble. You know, our office is at the corner of Chocolate and Cocoa Avenue. So there is some a lot of fun with the culture and the area that's been created. But yeah, I think it's kudos to the company. They hire great talent. You know, I kept in touch with everyone after I left and continue that relationship. So I, I think it's, again, a lot of companies are starting to see more of that. I think a lot of people are also realizing it's not always greener on the other side. And we all have it really well in some of the areas we are. Yeah, at Hershey, we we relish in the opportunity to bring folks back who are great talent. I think it's wonderful. And, you know, anybody who has the opportunity to work at the intersection of Chocolate and Cocoa Avenue is <laughs> a pretty sweet gig. No pun intended. No pun absolutely intended. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like the smell of <laughs> chocolate wafting out of Hershey, Pennsylvania. There's just nothing quite like it. Just like there's nothing quite like a fresh Twizzler. That's true. But I know we're here talking about brave commerce and not about my personal culinary uh, vices. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. As you think about the role of moving between brand and not brand side, what advice might you have for people that um, either are going from the brand side to publish or all that back and forth? What advice do you have from your journey testing the waters and unleashing your inner curious George? One of the best parts of having both sides is having been now in the shoes of a brand and then moved back to a, a more, I would say, sales type of role, both in running investment as well as working at Amazon on the ad tech team. You start to unlock what brands think, 
brands are not always thinking about just the media ecosystem. You know, we all in the industry think that every dollar decision is made solely because of performance. But sometimes I actually have to pull money because the supply chain needs more money. Or we have to go, you know, the price of cacao has grown immensely over the last few years. So our commodities are up. You know, and I think that balancing act and understanding truly the business of every brand is the most important aspect, whatever side you're on, because not every decision is created equal. And as much as we all love to think it, media is not the sole thing that drives the business. So I think, you know, when you're on the non-brand side, just realizing and understanding, you know, what makes the business go outside of your lens of media, how do you then solve those challenges? Some of the best partners I've ever worked with have all spent every quarter on our earnings call understand everything our senior leadership is talking about and what's working in the business and what potentially is not. And then leveraging that to say, here are some of the things I heard. Here are some of the products I think we can use to help you solve those challenges. And that just makes partnerships so much better, in my opinion. And when you understand both sides of it and understand the position that brands have to be in, not all decisions are are as equal as I think the media world thinks on a day-to-day basis. That's great. And a quote I use very frequently from the a different suites company, but she's no longer there, Dana Anderson, when she was the CEO of Mondelez, she always says, partners get the brands they deserve, brands get the partners they deserve. And I think you're kind of oh, yeah. speaking that language. As you look in your expanded role, particularly as it relates to retail media, do you have any advice? Do you feel like that those are the kinds of companies, because they are both your distribution center as well as a media source? Do you think they get it better? Do you think they've got work to do? How can you guide them to be better partners to you? That's such a great question. And it's probably one almost every CPG company is facing on a daily basis, as well as the conversation we have almost every day internally. They are our biggest customers. They are, you know, our sales team speaks to them on a daily basis. They are so important to our business as a manufacturer where we're seeing the crossings of both what we want to say retail media, but really it's, it's at the end of the day, it's media. You know, I think on-site versus off-site, regardless, is media. Walmart, as an example, is a publisher when you go to their website. So how do you start bridging the gaps of, you know, really making sure this isn't a, I have to do this, so I'm just going to do it, to an I want to do this, and here's how we leverage each other to a better place. You know, there are industry guardrails that we have built forever in the media world that we should be bridging into all areas of media so that we're not kind of forcing the mechanism of, well, you're not performing the way YouTube does. And it's like, well, I'm not supposed to. I'm a little bit of a different use case than a YouTube or or a, a streaming television buy. So it's how do you find those commonalities with the customers, our biggest customers and partners, and in both how we look at partner mix and partner selection from a media perspective. And then how do we look at the other side and say, you know, as a business, if we're going to leverage the other side in media, I want to get X, Y, and Z out of it on on my business side, on my sales side, whether it's if I spend X amount in in retail media on-site and off-site combined, do I get another four-way? Can I get an end cap during a, a promotional event or a seasonal opportunity? And I think just having that open dialogue between all 
parties, which I think is really important and not siloing out everyone who works on a business is really where we need to get to. I truly believe that the customers do have our best interest at hand in, in partnership. However, you know, the reality is there are media experiences that not everyone brings to the table at all times. So how do we work together? And then on the flip side, there are retail experiences that a lot of media people do not fundamentally understand. And I think being as transparent and open about those two things is only going to grow the the retail space and partnership space. Talking about the convergence of retailers as media, with that means media is more fragmented than ever before. Like you have one dollar to spend, you got a lot of choices today where you can put it at the Hershey Company. In partnership with media is creative, and so how at Hershey's are you thinking about? establishing best practices to now service all of these new channels where consumers spend time, as well as recognize we need to make a lot more creative. There's a lot more places to reach consumers. This is like you've tapped my office. No, um, (laughs) is probably one of the biggest conversation points we're having right now because you think of content in conjunction with media as only the creative aspect. But let's also talk about all the content that needs to be delivered to the on-site of a retailer offering and how every single retailer has a different way of showing that content or a different spec or you know a, a different way to insert yourself. And there's only so many people who can create content at that kind of scale. And, and if any, it's usually just the people who built the technology to do it because people can't actually handle some of the scalability. So when you look at those two things, though, it's, it's becoming consumer obsessed, not customer obsessed. What I mean by that is the customers are our biggest partners and we will do everything for them. But how do you take that same level of obsession and bring it to the consumer that loves your product every day? How do you ensure you're constantly speaking to those consumers through the lens of creative or communication strategies? in the same way that's going to drive your business, in the same way that you're obsessed with what's happening on the floor, in the store, those two things have to come together and start speaking holistically. You know, I look at some of the things that we're doing from a merchant promo perspective, on-shelf, in-store, and then I look at what are we doing from a, you know, whether it's linear-based or digital-based media perspective. And sometimes I question, like, are those two things really working in tandem? Because they don't look like it. So how do we find and bridge that gap so that you've got a true, and and to your point, it's harder than ever, but a truly integrated media ecosystem for all consumer touch points. That's really hard to do today. Are the barriers, technology, knowledge, how you're organized internally? I think organizational is probably one of the bigger ones for a lot of folks in this space, especially in the CBG space. How You've got sales-led teams and then brand and and marketing-led teams and how those two things intersect and come together to really solve some of these challenges is is imperative. But there is all the different technology, whether it's creative-led and and, obviously unlocking gen AI capabilities and doing creative at scale really fast, or is it buying platform-led? We've got all these media platforms to buy media in. Now, all of a sudden, the retailers want to play there, but they don't play on-site or on the shelf. How do you bring all those things together? You know, Critio has done a pretty good job of doing a, a fast pivot into this space. The trade desk, on the other hand, has done a great job of integrating into all the customers' needs. So watching those technologies come together has been actually really fascinating on my side. But as you look at the whole 
when I've got a dollar to spend to make that decision across all of these different things. No one has solved that yet. And what I mean by that is there's only 300 million U.S. adults. There isn't a single planning ecosystem that will allow you to understand all of that. So planning is probably my number one hope that we go after as an industry to really allow marketers to think about if I spend a dollar here, here's the total addressable marketplace, regardless of customer, publisher, or whatever language you want to go after. And I think there's been a lack of focus in that area by the industry. And it's been more about the activation only side. This dovetails so well into the question about data, because if there's no single way of thinking about that whole planning because of the different touch points, overlap, possible duplication, conflicting tech stacks, all that other fun stuff. Now you start thinking about your sources of data. You've got, you've got zero party data to third party data and then changing privacy regulations. And you guys, from my privilege of being able to work with you, know how data-centric you guys are. You've been absolutely extraordinary, and I don't want to give away state secrets, but you've been absolutely extraordinary at figuring out how to harness data and synthesize it in a way that actually allows it to be democratized across the organization, but not so overwhelming to the point that it's just too much. How do you use both that media complexity and the data to ultimately gain and or protect your market share? Oh, wow. It's, that's a very substantial question because it, it is in a good way, in a great way. This is the money question, dude. For being brave, <laughs> we do a really good job that I actually think could probably get a little bit better on how we synthesize that data because I think it's a really important topic. And when you look at the media ecosystem and the access to data that we have is insurmountable. Corralling all that into a single taxonomy was one of the biggest things that we went through over you know the last 18 months, give or take. To get us into a good place, I don't even think it's a great place. But then how do you take something like that and correlate it back to the fact that I get sales data by customer, by zip code, by market, and bring those two things together and say, okay, well, when we look at the total, not all, again, not all things are answered by media. But if I look at the way media is bought and sold today, it is basically how much reach can I get in a platform, in a biddable environment, which then ends up delivering majority of my impressions to four or five US cities. Then I go into the sales ecosystem and say, well, where's my sales distribution happening? Is there anything there? Is it correlated? How do you marry these two things together? And when you come to life very quickly is our, our oversaturation or our impression distribution to sales distribution is not always aligned. So when you start bringing those two things together, you then have the ability to start thinking, forecasting, and projecting out where do I need to fight or hunt for my market share growth? Because it is the most important thing in a category of candy, mint, and gum that has 98% household penetration. Everyone's eating or consuming some sort of candy mint and gum. So in a way, you've got, how do I get share of mouth or share of stomach at the end of the day? But to do that, you need to know where you're underperforming versus overperforming so that you're constantly driving demand in the areas that matter most to drive that market share up. By doing those factors, you're inherently actually saying, okay, well, from a media lens, if I control just reach and frequency to grow my share of voice. That's one step in saying, okay, if I reach enough new people, convert enough new people, in theory, market share should start to grow. 
Adolf and Harley would drive fast. So as you start thinking about those value equations, it's how do you use that data to synthesize into an ecosystem that allows technology to do its job? And I think that's where we're kind of headed is the data in to any biddable ecosystem is the most important factor that I don't think we all talk about. And that data in does not just need to be an audience. It could be many different facets of business-based data that allow us to use technology to have bid factors and or custom algorithms that allow us to drive that market share. It's quite amazing how divorce marketing really has been from supply chain. That's the holy grail is to bridge the gaps, as you've been saying. Yes. Vinny, we got to ask you a famous last question, which is, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? I'm going to use more of a personal reference on this one, but I left home at 15. I was an avid hockey player and I left and went to prep school in Connecticut and got myself away from all of my family, something I, I, I is very near and dear to my life. And, and leaving home that early taught me so much about myself, how to live on your own. And, and quite honestly, it was one of the biggest decisions at the moment of my life I had to make. What I'm grateful for is my parents actually left it to me to make that decision, which was which was even cooler to decide something, learn about it, go through it. And I think it helped me a lot along my journey as I've grown into my career, to be quite honest. And now you have kids who play hockey, right? I have a six-year-old son who is skating, who is falling in love with the game more and more every day, which is all I could ask for. Um, I have not forced it on him at all. And, and it's really cool to watch that kind of happen over the last 12 months from a five to now six-year-old. It's been special. And now I'm going to probably lean in a bit more and start skating and playing with him so we can enjoy those moments as well. Love it. Well, if you agree with Vinny on his outlook on the ecosystem, which is that we all need to be paying way more attention to planning and the data that goes into these biddable ecosystems, Find him on LinkedIn. I know he's looking to build an army of advocates to create change in this ecosystem. I appreciate that very much. And thank you guys for having me. It was really nice. Well, that was super insightful. There's so much to be able to learn from how different organizations get ready for these upcoming revolutions and revolutions in progress. If you like this episode, I would recommend that you have a listen to Eduardo Luz at Panera Brands, who talked about how they've been using AI for quite some time to accelerate their brand's success. If you're thinking about that whole global local and want to dive a little bit deeper, I'd recommend Boris Rutten from Pankel Consumer Brands, as well as Ji Chang at Mondelez International. If you like this episode or any of the other ones that I mentioned, please share it with a friend, give us a review, or just let us know directly. Looking forward to seeing you at the next episode. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? 
We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.